Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. We've just built Australia. We've built a lot of Australias. So Australians are going to thrive in Q-Birth. They already know how to do this. <laughs> Welcome back to Australia. I mean, Q-Birth. I mean, Dead Planet Society. <laughs> this is a podcast where we imagine what it might be like if we were given cosmic powers to rearrange the universe. I'm Chelsea White, U.S. editor at New Scientist. And I'm Leah Crane, physics and space reporter at New Scientist. And we're back for part two of Q-Birth, which is our final episode this season. That's right, but don't worry, we'll be back with season two in a little while. We're not going to be gone too long. But let's get back to it. In the last episode, we were talking with geophysicist Mika McKinnon about Cube Earth. The best planet. It's my favorite of all the planets that exist in our mind, yes. So this (laughs) is the Earth that we've reformed into a cube. Listen to the last episode if you want to hear how we got Earth cube-shaped. So when we cubify Earth, we're left with six sides, each of which has a big lake in the middle and a small area of coastline around each lake that's habitable. And the atmosphere would get really wacky too. The edges would be out in space, so we'd need spacesuits or, as we discussed, little fishbowls of water on wheels to protect us from cosmic rays. (laughs) So let's jump back in and talk more about what it would be like on Q-Birth. Spoiler, there are sea monsters. And time gets a little nuts. Let's hop back into our conversation with Mika. There's some messy time dilation happening, right? Because of gravitational stuff. Yeah, and also assuming that it's oriented with a North Pole and South Pole flat face. Okay. Like, how would we experience time? And then what would time be like more broadly? Yeah, yeah, this is a little bit a little bit challenging on the upside to like the first order approximation if we're going to keep the earth still like the same mass and i assume we want to keep it the same 24 hour spin so the first order approximation it'd be no more like disturbing than dealing with leap seconds in time zones already like we already do weird things to time which can i just say is already very disturbing to me Yeah, but you don't notice it on a daily basis. It's only because we have clocks as a problem. Like, I just vote no clocks. I also vote this. Mika, yes, turn off time. (laughs) It would be much simpler if you have a cubicle face because you're going to have, like, flash sunrises. Like, just don't deal with time zones when you have a flat Earth side. We need six time zones. Well, we'd need four time zones, and then the top and the bottom would have to have more traditional time zones, right? All right, so we need five time zones. We need one for the top and bottom. Well, they could do Antarctic style because right now, Antarctic, if you have, like, in Antarctica, you don't really deal with time. You just pick a time and you're like, that's our time zone. Otherwise, you can walk between time zones, which is mm-hmm. would also be a problem when you've got a 10-kilometer-wide loop <laughs> around a lake. Uh, time would not really... It really would just, you'd have some some issues going on and then having to coordinate between the faces, but like trying to actually talk between the faces, you also like, you couldn't bounce radio waves off the atmosphere like you do now. So you couldn't, 
you couldn't have communication between the sides until you'd physically gone exploring to them and you'd have to be motivated to go exploring over the edge instead of up the mountain right like which would be more appealing could i burrow through the edge and just lay a sort of circle of fiber optic cable underground connecting all of our settlements you'd probably just want to do it above ground with like maybe a little layer of dirt on top because otherwise you're trying to do a, like you want to do deep sea cables effectively is how we do mm. our linking between continents now but again you're not going to do that until you've gone exploring and exploring to the other faces i think just based on human nature would happen a lot later than the exploring to the mountain tops because the mountain tops the cube edges would be just looming It'd be this this thing on the horizon that we can always see over there. It wouldn't be like up above our heads or whatever, but it would be just a presence, a large presence, as opposed to a falling off the edge of the world. Maybe we'd run into each other there. It's like people from the different faces would run into each other on the on the peaks. Where did you come from? <laughs> and it'd be this very isolated sections, right? Like the whole concept of island evolution. Where if you cut off ecosystems and leave them in one place, well, you've done that on six separate sides of which if we're doing the the Antarctic, flat Antarctic or flat poles, then you have effectively four sides that have the same climates. It'd be the same climate as like the same concept of Earth weather now, just way more extreme, except for so like the equator would still have like equatorial zones of, of weather and all that. Uh, and the poles would have bigger storms, except for the atmosphere doesn't reach all the way up to the poles. So <laughs> you have it all crunched down into this like extremes where you tease now about being able to walk between summer and winter on uh, like in springtime. You can have all seasons in a day in March or whatever. Well, literally being able to walk from one side to the other would be like, it's cold, it's hot. <laughs> It's oh, raging no. storms all of the time. I really hope that if we've got <laughs> the technology to create cubicle Earth, we've also got the technology to do like some climate maintenance because it would make our current situation look really easy in terms of severe storms to have everything crunched down that tiny. You have mentioned that it's like island evolution. We've got these four or six, depending on how we're oriented like little islands of atmosphere that are on their own. And what that makes me think is that we're going to have a, a lot of weird birds. And I know this isn't necessarily relevant to the podcast, but Australia has a lot of weird birds and we're basically making a lot of Australias. That's what I thought of too, immediately. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and that Australia is also pretty much you have to live clustered to the coast because the it gets rapidly inhospitable the further inland you get. So same sort of concept is we've just built Australia. We've built a lot of Australias. So Australians are going to thrive in Cuba. They already know how to do this. <laughs> to be fair, I think Australians do tend to thrive wherever they end up. We've talked a bit about the coast, but what about the oceans themselves? The oceans will be really, really, really deep. We're talking like hundreds of kilometers deep as opposed to a handful of kilometers deep. Does that mean we would allow for the evolution of even scarier deep sea creatures? <laughs> oh, oh yeah. God. This cube earth is going to have crazy birds <laughs> and crazy fishes. Well, so there's, that was where I wanted to go with this is that we have this <laughs> tiny little bubble of air and a huge bubble of water that's really deep. So most of the habitable area of this planet is going to be underwater or possibly on top of the water. 
So I'm thinking that floating islands would be like the place to be for the most part. We've just made water world, haven't we? <laughs> That's where I think we're going with it. But the deep ocean is going to be like really deep. And with less gravity towards the edges, you could get even bigger creatures. So I'm kind of thinking like the whole behemoths issue of like, Megalodon oh, and it's gonna be full of krakens, like, ichthyors, and yeah, <laughs> we'll have Loch Ness monsters. The whole works. Like the sea monster aspect of this planet has like a lot of potential. I gotta tell you, when we first thought about Cube Earth, I did not see that we were creating <laughs> this insane planet with sea monsters but i'm very excited that we've gotten here <laughs> it's, i didn't know the horrors we would unleash <laughs> it's it's a submarine australia the whole thing is just a mega australia you know we're gonna have some crazy mm -hmm. spiders yeah <laughs> so which one of the things that's really really fun to do in actual real life australia is to go hunting for ocean fossils in the center of the desert because it used to have a giant inland sea so you can like go wandering around looking for fossils and meteorites and things in the center of the australian desert you can even catch like a mail truck and like go around and hop off on the side and be like let's go looking for fossils and it's australia so everybody who lives in the way out back is like a geologist and an astronomer as a hobby so <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking we should take like ancient interior australian oceans as part of our inspiration for what do we think the the ecospheres will look like but again you're gonna have those isolated six faces and the ocean creatures are certainly not gonna mix between them so you're really gonna have island effects so when we talk about like Hey, you're gonna have krakens. Well, you have krakens on this face, but you'll have the Loch Ness monster on this other face, and you're gonna have like each one is gonna have different sets. And I bet you that you'd have like okay, so maybe the mammals are dominant on this side, but maybe it's actually the giant alligators that are dominant on this other side. And then the humans who are like trying to cling to their little fringe are gonna have different reactions and techniques for dealing with their particular sea monsters. I love this so much. So in my mind, I've imagined that the sea that we used to have, the ocean all over normal, round, boring Earth, contracts quite a bit when we create the cube. So would we be left with like things we could never see before on the edge? Like would the edge have remnants of ancient history that we that have been uncovered? The edge would have hella fossils. Oh, and the, you can go like hunting for dinosaur bones out there. Again, Australia already does this. Yeah. But except for... The small itty bitty problem of when we've been cramming it in, we've been really mucking with the crust. So we definitely want, I think, plan our axis to preserve Australia. Okay. Like, I think that might actually determine where axis is going to be. And now we have an offer for our listeners. You can get up to half off an annual digital subscription. That gives you unlimited access to our website and app. For this special holiday offer, go to newscientist.com slash DPS holiday to start your digital subscription now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Between the sea monsters and the weird airless edges and the six Australias, this planet seems honestly extremely rad. 
Yeah, I mean, it sounds really cool, but I'm also guessing maybe weather would be pretty tough. Yeah, sure, especially since day and night are flashing into each other so quickly. Yeah, I mean, think about that moment when the face that you're on suddenly sees no more sunlight. Like, that seems really terrifying and also probably pretty uncomfortable. So we asked Mika if the weather is going to just be wild all over this cube earth. We're amping up the seasons and we're amping up the weather. So when we talk right now about how climate change is creating these more extreme events more often, right? Like we're getting storms that build up faster and that they're more intense, that we're having like more extreme seasons of it's really, really hot or really, really cold and all that. Just take all that and amplify it even more so that you're having it really extreme all of the time, which is going to do things like make growing seasons really difficult, except if you go underwater because giant ponds of water act as stabilizers. And the deeper you go, the more stable it is. Oh, uh, we're all going to be like eating seaweed. Well, Sea Lab is where I'm going with this. Ah. <laughs> I think that the people who have like the most stability are going to be Sea Labs. When we were talking before about our spaceships are going to be on wheels with fish bowls, our most stable and desirable housing will be under the water on the seafloor, or at least at probably actually bubbles at a certain depth where we can get like a pretty good uh, atmospheric pressure going on. And like, just you still have some light coming because being in perpetual darkness is no fun, but you you're stabilized from all of the extremes of the surface. Uh, and then you have, you know, giant sea monsters coming past periodically. So sea lab is, is our next big motivation inspiration points is it moving ready i'll take it yeah. i'll go tomorrow send me <laughs> to the ocean on cuba give me gills i'll just live in the water <laughs> like, i'm good well what this really truly gets to as the ultimate conclusion is that when people debate which is scarier or which is more interesting deep space or the deep ocean with Cube Earth, you get to combine the two. <laughs> yeah, it's perfect. And also, the deep sea is unarguably scarier than deep space. <laughs> Except for you're going to have both, especially when you're trying to explore deep space via wheels in a fishbowl. So what you've said, is, we've made the scariest planet. <laughs> what we've done. <laughs> I really appreciate approachable doom. Yes. This is the scariest planet. Thank you for joining us for the conclusion of Cube Earth and for the final episode of our first season of Dead Planet Society. Now we have to go because we've got a cosmic juicer and an asteroid gong and an Earth cuber to build. And now that we know how, we're off to turn the moon into the biggest piece of art that ever existed. Thanks again to Mika McKinnon and to all of you for listening. And for those of you that sent in your ideas for modifications that we can make to the universe, we're sifting through topics for season two, and we'll be back in a bit to do some more cosmic destruction. If you enjoyed this season of Dead Planet Society, you might also like my monthly space newsletter at New Scientist, Launchpad. Check it out at newscientist.com launchpad. That's all, folks. Goodbye for now. Bye. This podcast is produced by OG Podcasts. Find out more at ogpodcasts.co.uk.